You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we continue on our ongoing coverage of Nip Tuck, a disturbingly perfect drama. We are deep, deep, deep into season three, and we've moved on from the pile of shit that was Sal Perry, and we're now moving into, well, Joy Kringle. Um,. I won't necessarily say my opinions of it straight away. Uh, this episode first said December 13th, 2005. It was written by Sean Jabalonski and Jennifer Salt, directed by Greer Shepard. And we kind of get our first nip-tuck Christmas episode, and probably the most Christmassy episode we'll ever get of this show along the way. Uh, but interested to talk about this one. Lots to get to, as per usual. Uh, my name is Ben, and sometimes I don't feel jolly. I feel shit. And my name's not Ken. Well, let me tell you something. You are the goddamn hoe. Oh, thank you. Means a lot to me when you call me that. <laughs> um, yeah, Joy Kringle. Um, look again. Let me start off by saying this is a much better episode than last week. We're going to say that about every episode again. I think we can lock in Joy Kringle as the one hundredth and worst episode of Nip Tuck. I don't think anything's ever going to come close. That's Daryl Perry, I should say. Um, but yeah, I mean, Joy Kringle, this is always one that I don't necessarily look forward to watching. I kind of, I'm not a huge fan of this episode. I think it's, you know, a bit bleh, but, um, I mean, it's got some interesting bits in it. And I guess we have to be honest in saying that this does set up probably the main storyline of season four. So, um, one of many, but uh, this is probably the biggest of season four. So yeah, um, Joy Kringle, Nick. (laughs) Well, I think it's. Um, I'm, I, I think I'm probably going to be higher on it than you are. Um, no, I think it's a, it's an enjoyable episode. Um, it, it's maybe not like hugely kind of memorable, um, but I mean, you, you've got to hand it to Ryan Murphy. He's the only he's the only person who I think could get an abortion scene into a Christmas special. Um, you know, that that pretty much sums him up, doesn't it? Really, um, even in a Christmas episode, we've uh, got to go to some um, some controversial places. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think there's plenty to unpack in this episode. That's for sure. Yeah. Um... Definitely, that's a good point you make, actually, with that. But uh, we'll get straight into uh, Sean and Christian having a bit of a chuckle, and uh, we meet uh, Mr. and Mrs. Kringle here, um, and they want to get some lipo, uh, basically. They're, they're all into the whole Santa thing, Mr. and Mrs. Claus, and, uh, you know, they're wanting to change the image of Santa to be sexy, uh, <laughs> not fat and jolly. I have actually have heard that there is a Santa fetish out there. Um, so, I mean... Apparently, that's a thing. Uh, it was on an episode of Friends, I think, when Chandler had the Santa suit and Monica's all like, keep the suit. Santa? Really? Um, she wanted to, like, have sex with him in the Santa costume. Um, but they take it very, very uh, seriously. And I do like the uh, the line. Was it? I can't remember if it was Christian or Sean says, oh, what do we do? Send the bill to the North Pole? And just the the, <laughs> the flat look that um, Mr. Kringle has uh, there. It's, uh, you know, kind of funny. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously we, we kind of, I mean, I don't know if you really have anything to add on this, if we kind of just want to jump into this is obviously what's going to be our, you know, why we're called Joy Kringle, because, uh, Joy's getting the liposuction and it's obviously going to set ourselves up for something a little bit here, but I think I might actually pause this here just because, you know, there's a bit of an important scene about to come with the re-emergence of one of our favourites, well, the favourite, let's be honest, so, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if there's a whole lot to talk about here, I don't know why, but, uh, anything? <laughs> Oh no, I think it's um, you know it kind of sets it up quite nicely. Um, you know that, that they're going for a bit of a different take on on Santa and, and that kind of thing. So yeah, I mean there's not there's not a whole lot here other than it kind of sets these two up as you know this kind of you know very much a, a Santa couple that they're jolly and they couldn't have their own kids and and all that kind of stuff. Which you know so we get a little bit of setup here, but uh, yeah, I think it's it's quite a nice and it kind of sets these characters as being quite. Now, jolly and jovial, but you also do get that sense that there's conflict between them, which is going to play out over the episode. Yeah, it's our, our good old nip-tuck storyline of everything seems rosy until we really dig down on what's going on with uh, our main patients here. But uh, Julie is dipping some cookies, and uh, who's here? Who is it? <laughs> yes, she's back, Annie! I mean, God, it feels like it's been forever. I don't think it's been since the dreaded Anne H days when uh, she was like a bit... No, it wasn't even that. It was Matt getting punch days when she was um, about to be taken away by those dick social workers. I mean, God, she's really been, she wasn't at Christian's wedding, she's just been hanging around places. Where's Annie been? 
Yeah, uh, the uh, the the emergence of um, when it's when it suits us, Annie once again um, is, is back. But uh, yeah, I mean it's um it's always good to see see Annie and see the family all together for Christmas. And I do love this whole scene. Like of you know, like Annie, we do get this kind of Annie grown up a little bit thing because she's just like you know, do you really think Mary is a virgin and all that kind of stuff? Which is you know, it's, it's quite good. And I do love the kind of interplay between Matt and Julia. You know about you know. Um, the baby was no son of God and all that. You know that's quite funny. I think it's it's all it's all well played. Bit a bit of flirting going on there between uh, our, our two. You know, <laughs> are they still together at this point? I don't actually know. I think I don't know what point they split up, but um, you know, a bit of flirting, mum and son. Uh, yep, no, it's uh, it's lost on me. I've got to say, I, I don't know when that was happening. Yeah, uh, what did she say? Do you think that Mary had sex with God? Uh, but yeah, just like you know, the whole as you say, like the, she also told a big whopper of a lie, um, you know, things like that. But oh, poor Julia, you know, she's not feeling too well. She she faints. Apparently, she's white as a sheet. Um, she doesn't really look that white, but um, fair enough. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously, poor old uh, Julia gets looked over. The only doctor available, of course, happens to be Sean. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know. She- yeah, I like it how he, how he's, he, you know, he makes the thing. I like. Oh, I'm glad you called me. And she's like, oh, well, actually, my 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 normal doctor wasn't there. So yeah, <laughs> just hit him when he's down. Eh? Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, we we're gonna get some tests going off here. But uh, you know, Sean, just you know, just oh, I miss this, and you know, oh, let's have Christmas and all that sort of stuff. And uh, no, uh, Matt's off at Ariel's, and uh, I love this little line, and it's kind of you know just a throwaway line. Annie going to Epcot with the Epsteins. Now, I never, like, I guess paid attention to this because I probably didn't know what Epcot was. Uh, Epcot's, like, the big part of Disney World in Florida. Like, the, um, I don't know if you've seen the photos when you see, like, the big ball, like, of Universal, of, like, um, Disney World in Florida. There's that giant white ball. It's kind of like, um, I don't actually know what it stands for, but it's like a, a big area where it's kind of like all different areas of the globe and you can kind of go and visit there. And anyway, it's, it's Disney World. So, like, you know, they're in Miami. That's Orlando. It's a three-hour drive. But, I mean, is that open on Christmas Day? Like, the Epstein's, like, traditional Christmas there in Florida. Let's go to Disney World. Uh, I'm just nitpicking yeah, I mean, here for nitpicking's sake. But, I mean, really? <laughs> well, it's also, like, a weird thing of, like... Um, you know, generally, you don't send your kid off to somebody else for the, for, you know, um, with someone else's family on Christmas. I mean, maybe I was just raised in a, a, a family where you all kind of get together over Christmas. You don't send your kids off with somebody else's family for Christmas. But it um, is Annie. It does seem like a weird, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just it's one of those weird things of like, let's just explain why Annie's not going to be around for the next, you know, like because just makes it nice and convenient that nobody has to worry about where Annie is, you know, for the rest of this episode. It's just so annoying, isn't it? It's, I mean, they're literally shipping their daughter off to a woman who they don't necessarily even like that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to go to Disney World. Like, I mean, it's just like, oh, Annie, what are we going to do with that? Oh, the Epsteins will do. Off you pop. Um, but this is like, we don't actually see Annie anymore until the finale. And even in the finale, she's barely, she's like a blink and you miss moment with her too. So, yeah. you know, good old season three Annie. Um, this is why people like, don't hate on Connor McNamara 2026 when we get some great um, Annie stuff. Um, but she is in season four a lot more moving forward. And she actually, I think, kind of just looking at her credits here, um, sort of the majority of... Uh, Kelsey Batlin's screen credits do come from this point on. So, it's she's in it a lot more moving forward, um, but she's still kind of invisible at the best of times. But uh, just wait till we get to the hair eating. There's still plenty of time. She's got some interesting storylines and goth Annie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, goth Annie. Good old Enjoy goth that. Annie. Get, get excited, yep. people. Um, yep. but, Sean, but Sean does get some good news here because he finds out that, um, you know, that... Um, Quentin has no longer seen Julia and, you know, he, yes. he gets so mesmerised by this news he forgets to put on the band-aid. Oh, and then we get a bit of mild flirting over the band-aid putting on. I mean, oh, it's just so romantic, isn't it? The, I mean, a lot of my problem with this episode is I think I'm just so over the will-they-won't-they they point at this thing because it's like, I know we kind of went over that back, you know, season one, season two, and that this was going to be an ongoing thing. And I just think my issue with this is that just this season, as we've pointed out so much, it's just... 
it's so all over the place and bipolar. Like, we just seem to have resolution one episode of, oh, okay, well, clearly they're not going to get back together. Then, oh, no, there's a slight chance. Oh, no, they're not. Oh, no, he's with Anne Heche. Oh, no, they want each other. Oh, no, they're fucking on Matt's bed. Oh, no, she's a businesswoman. Oh, but now here we are again, like, putting a band-aid. Oh, it's, oh no, but I need to work on Christmas yeah, Day. Yeah, I think it's... <laughs> It's not just that. It's kind of like the, you know, like during the whole spa episode, you know, she was like telling Sean that, you know, he was useless and she didn't need him. And, you know, like just, it, it, yeah, like you say, it just runs from one extreme to the other. So it does become quite hard to, to kind of um, really get a sense of where the story's going. And I, I guess for better or for worse, we do, we do kind of get the resolution towards the end of the season on that story, at least for the time being, which is, which is good. I think we're kind of moving in one direction by the end of this, this season, which is, you know, I'm kind of happy about that. But, like, it's just, yeah, and I guess kind of a lot of uh, the outlook is that obviously knowing what will happen with them and kind of, you know, season four it's set up and all this sort of stuff. But even then, when it comes to them in season four, like, I love season four. I think it's better than this season, but it's just... It's just frustrating, and, you know, we talked a little bit in the last few weeks about how Julia just kind of almost becomes obsolete, really, here in Nip Tuck moving forward. I mean, you know, she's still around. Uh, she's still going to have some stuff next year. I mean, Peter Dinklage has got to come along yet, so, you know, she's still going to have some things to do. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I don't know. She's just she's starting to really grate me now, old Julia. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, it's, it's, you know, it takes the 100th rewatch of this show to maybe see what everyone else sees her. Um... So we, we then get, um, uh, Ariel and Matt here and we see they've got a black nativity scene. Oh, well, that's, you know, okay, fine. Um, but no, Ariel doesn't like it. If you didn't realize Ariel was racist before, you kind of find out this episode that she's a bit racist. Um, she wants to, you know, she's talking about mud babies and, you know, Jesus being Santa Claus for adults. And she tells a story about Santa and Coke and got to protect the truth. So, you know, setting up the Matt and Ariel storyline this episode, of course. Um, then we get, um, Liz, uh, playing, uh, what is it? What does, uh, Christian say here? The Messiah. Like, oh, you're an atheist. And it's like, oh, there's something about this time of year that I, uh, that I really like. Um, and I like that line Christian says, we're here to suck the Pringle out of the Kringle. <laughs> just, there's just something about these lines, and if you read them on paper, they're probably so cheesy and bad, but it's just because we've got good actors delivering them that you kind of laugh at them. Like, you can't imagine this, you know, on some sort of, I don't know, network show, like a network cop show, like, I don't know, David Caruso on CSI Miami. You know, it's time to suck the Pringle out of the Kringle. Ah! Like with the glasses on, or something like that. Uh, he's just yeah. I think it's I think it's one of those things. Like Christian, especially, gets away with some pretty dodgy lines. You know, like he's, um, you know, he's able to do things that nobody else can. Um, one of the things I, I quite like because obviously we're going to get this big reveal in the surgery. Um, but you know, normally I, th- I think the show's really good at these surgery scenes, and this is I guess because they're they're going to spend a bit more time focusing on it. You just pick up on it a little bit more, but like the stomach of this woman looks like a big bit of rubber. Like I don't think they've done a great job with the with the makeup and the the prosthetics on this bit. You know, it just a, or it probably isn't prosthetics. It's just you know the model that they use, and it just doesn't really. I don't know. It just doesn't really work for me. It looks obviously fake, which is a bit disappointing. Didn't really notice that to be honest. Uh, I have to probably go back and look at it, but. Um yeah, I mean, we kind of have pointed that a few times, haven't we, about, you know, generally 95% of the time they're very much spot on. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I didn't really pay much attention to that. Not doubting you at all. I'll have to go look at that. But, uh, you know, the big reveal, we kind of get two big reveals here, don't we? Uh, Sean walks in. Julie is pregnant. Dun, dun, dun. Plot twist. Again. Uh, <laughs> remember season one, folks? Um, Jude's not around this time to, to help look after her, though. She's going to get another Game Boy and have to have bed rest again, do you think? Um, but, <laughs> um, but then also during the surgery, Christian hits something, uh, and then, you know, is it a tumor? Is it a hernia? No, it's a, it's a baby. Um, so they basically, well, they have to get consent first. They go out and get uh, consent from Santa. Um, Which is interesting. Do you think that that's something that... Um, it'd be interesting to know if that's a medical thing that you actually have to do because I would think, like, if if we've got kind of, like, a potentially life-threatening situation, then they just have to do it. And I wonder if that, that scene is there so that they can't just, like, do it. Oh, well, she didn't never had to tell him. Um, mm. You know, like, I wonder if that's just, like, something that has just been put there for... Um, you know, like for the sake of of the show, really. Um, but yeah, I think this is 
this is really cool. And this is one of those things that it's one of those scenes that has kind of just stuck with me for a long time, um, which is, you know, this whole thing, because I, you know, I do remember that thing about, um, you know, that, that all the surgery scenes on the show, certainly in the first few episodes anyway, were based on real life. Mm-hmm. And this is the one I thought, no, nah, this can't be true. And I actually did a bit of research at the time this was filmed, you know, it was showing on TV, you know, 12 years ago or whatever. And yes, this actually was based on a real case. Yeah, I've this heard about this before. Yeah, I've heard about this being real too. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. Cool. So it's just it's just yeah. It's one of those ones where you, you, you sometimes you don't think about it or you kind of don't worry about it. But um, yeah, this was one I thought, wow, this is actually based on real life, um, which just makes it even more interesting to me. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating, and it's interesting you're saying about the consent. I mean. I'm guessing there must be some sort of thing around that too. Like, I mean, she's only getting lipo, so they don't have to, like, cut her open. But, uh, yeah, like, as you're saying, if it's a life-threatening thing, surely they can go in there. But um, maybe they only have to sign certain consent forms or certain types of surgery, and this is not something that they expect to find. So, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, my my interesting thing, which I don't know if it's a bit of a plot hole, but it's kind of how he's obviously signed the consent form. And then when we see in a minute when she's like, oh, I want to see it, like, isn't he around? Like, is she okay? Like, what did you find? <laughs> like, you know, he's just kind of yeah. kept in the dark for a while. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we'll get to that scene. But uh, I, I like how they kind of connected here and, you know, they're like, oh, she's not, Julie's not the only one who didn't realise she's pregnant, you know? It's like, oh, da, da, da. Um, so we obviously then get uh, Matt and uh, Ariel um, kidnapping all the, the um, is that the correct term? Kidnapping, stealing the nativity scene. Um, with <laughs> yeah. all the sort of things. And it's kind of, we get that interesting, like, you know, bit where you see one of the things falling off the back and they're dragging it. I mean, that was, you know, obviously a few famous cases that wasn't there where there were those, um, oh, I can't even remember if it was around this time, but I know there was definitely some famous cases in America about people who had, um, had sort of racial crimes and they'd like dragged sort of African-American people behind the truck. So I'm guessing this has surely got to be, I mean, it's too coincidental for this not to be some sort of, nod to that with kind of racist aerial on this scene. I don't know if you kind of picked up on that or not. Yeah, I mean, I think so. That kind of, yeah, that like lynching people behind a car type of thing, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, um, oh, yeah. I mean, the whole aerial thing in this this episode is, is um, it, it's a tough watch, really. Um, I, I feel like it's just, and I think my problem with the whole aerial thing is that it, it feels like they have just really, really leaned into this racial thing and made her like this evil, evil person. It feels like there could have been a more subtle way of doing this, but um, I think what I'm learning is that, that Nip Tuck is not always as subtle as maybe I remember it being, and, and that's okay too, but yeah. I think I, 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 had, I was getting to my breaking point with the aerial stuff at the end of this episode, that's for sure. Look, I, I mean, it's kind of interesting to think that I don't know how it makes me sound, but out of all the stuff in this episode, the aerial stuff is kind of the one thing that I really don't have a problem with. I mean, it's not that I'm like, oh, look at me, Ben racist that loves this whole aerial storyline. Oh, look, yeah, he finally racist represented on TV. Like, I mean, <laughs> I think it's just an interesting storyline. It kind of plays into our whole hashtag poor Matt persona, but I just kind of think that it's just, you know, it, it plays out interestingly. And then obviously what we're going to get a little bit next episode. And I'm never down on kind of what happens with Matt. I just think it's kind of an interesting twist on just like Matt's poor life. Um, I, I just necessarily don't like how they sort of handle the post issues after this. It's kind of quickly swept under the rug for such a big thing. But I mean, I like how they bring back Cherry Peck into the next episode and kind of how we had sort of a scene of her all the way back season two, just for her to sort of become a bit of a side character. So, um, yeah, I kind of, I don't mind it. Like, I mean, it's just, they did kind of go full throttle though on, Hey everyone, guess what? Errol's a racist, uh, to kind of, you know, like a few sort of slow burnings in the last few episodes to this all of a sudden. So, um, yeah, plus I just like Britney Snow. Um, <laughs> so, anyway. Um, let me kind of get our classic nip-tuck, don't we, of sort of the two scenes going on at once and kind of the edited around it, which, you know, we've pointed out many times, and it's, it's always a good scene when they do this. So, I mean, much as I may be not a huge fan of this episode, I do like the way this sort of is. And, um, you know, Sean telling Julia that she's pregnant and then Christian obviously telling Joy Kringle about you had a fetus inside of you. Um, and kind of, you know, it's interesting to learn that it's sort of been there 15, maybe 20 years, uh, inside of her, like all calcified, like that's just wow. Um, and then obviously like with Julia, you know, we're kind of sort of learning here about, you know, and obviously it's automatically assumed it's Quinton's baby. And I remember watching this for the first time, of course, as well, thinking the same thing. I think the viewers meant to expect that. Um, 
and then obviously uh, Joy wants to see the calcified baby, which, I mean, like, I just, as much as I like this back and forth, I just think it's so cheesy that she he comes in with, like, uh, this cloth thing, it's like he's holding a baby, only to, like, undo it, and it's a freaking jar. Like, just carry the jar in, Christian. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I just think that's a little bit too much. Um, yeah, no, I forgot. I've forgotten that element of it, and yeah, it is jarring. Not to not to be, uh, <laughs> to be too much of a pun. It is kind of it takes you out of the moment a little bit, um, and, and that's a shame. Yeah, and just the one thing I'll quickly add here is, um, you know, when she says like, "Oh, don't tell Santa," and this is this is my point. I'm like. Well, doesn't he know? Like, what's, like, he's had to sign consent form. They've had to come out and say, oh, hey, FYI, we've found something in your wife. It's serious enough that we have to open her up to find out what it is. So we've got, again, our nip-tuck time frame that just doesn't really fit into this. You've got to assume a few hours have passed by here in terms of the way they've sewed her up and a bit of recovery for her to wake up there. And why isn't he by her bedside? Like, oh, my God, are you okay? Are you okay? Like, you know, I, I don't know. I just find it a bit weird that he's not involved in this from the get-go. But um little nitpick. I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But, um yeah, before we get to Quinton, I mean, it's again, as you kind of we've always pointed out, it's that sort of dual scene going on at once, which always works out well, particularly when they have the lines kind of crossing over with each other. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, sometimes it works on the show and sometimes it doesn't. I think it's one of those things that gets used a bit too heavily on the show. But yeah, at the same time, I think it does work really well um, in, in this particular case because you've got two very kind of similar things tying it together. It's the whole baby thing. Um, yeah, and um, it, you know, it's really interesting because you get that conversation with Sean about, with Sean and Julia where he's kind of basically advocating for her to, to get rid of the baby because he thinks it's, um, it's Quentin's. Um, and you know, you do wonder at what point he kind of puts two and two together that it might be his. Um, yeah, so it's, it, it does make quite a compelling little um, kind of montage between these two scenes, I think. And uh, you know, I think the whole thing, even though it is a bit uh, corny with the whole jar, I think the the actual scene where you know she kind of sees the baby in the jar is quite a shocking moment, which, mm. which is cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree with you. Um, now we get our random Quinton scene, I guess. We have this for one reason and one reason alone. He's for us to find out that he's not the father without anyone confronting him. Um, because, you know, again, they just really don't know how to treat Quentin and just the way they're basically just giving a big F you to Quentin randomly for, you know. But, I mean, we as I said, we get a good payoff with Quentin coming up. So, you know, as much as I don't like how they just randomly hate on Quentin in this season, we, we do get a very good payoff with this in a few episodes' time. Um, but he's there. Speaking of payoffs, he's there to get his payoff. Um, and Christian, obviously, you know, is all like, oh, I've never been happier to write a check. And, um, we learn kind of, uh, obviously, uh, about her, uh, Julia and Quentin splitting up. Uh, Quentin has his dick, uh, sorry, Julia has, uh, I can't even speak probably. Um, Julia McMahon, Christian, has his dick moment of, uh, what was the problem? She didn't have a dick. Uh, and then we find out they never slept with each other. Hmm. Hmm. What's this going to mean, Nick? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is Kevin yeah, back? Yeah. Is yeah. Kevin back from last season? Brian Heidek, the father? <laughs> I do like that they um, kind of make... They do really do a good job of making um, Quinton look like... I don't know if disheveled's the right word, but he looks quite different, he you know, does. when he kind of comes yeah. into the office. And, yeah, they kind of make him look like he's he's been living it rough or, he's just, you know, whatever it is. I'm not quite sure what the right word is, but, yeah, he just does look a bit weird. Um yeah, yeah, and you know, do the whole thing where he's like, oh, you know, Christian's like, oh, it's a shame she didn't have a dick or something like that. You know, like he's, you know, just the way he kind of plays it out, I think, is is really good. Yeah, I agree. Um, then we're we're back at uh, Ariel's house. They're painting the nativity white, and just love the way it's like, does this does it still look black? We have to do another coat. Like these things are as white as white. Um, and she's just absolutely painting. I love Matt. Oh, they look albino. Um, just like, you know, keep going on. And then, you know, we find out that, uh, Ariel did a family tree for a, a school project and great grandmother is black, uh, that she's an, an octa, octa, not an octagon. That's what they find in the UFC. Um, <laughs> and, uh, something, it's obviously got a name. She's one eight black, apparently, according to her research. Um, so basically she wants Matt to get, uh, bleach cream, from Delamere, um, and, you know, because she's, she's worried her dad will know. Now, I mean, I, I do like how this scene is sort of edited, like the creepy sort of music that's going off in the background. 
Um, and then just kind of, you know, we kind of get a real inkling. What I like about this, I think, I guess, is like Ariel, like, this is all just coming from fear. Like, I mean, on two levels, obviously she's fearful. She doesn't want to, you know, as a racist, she doesn't want to have to come across that she's being black. Uh, but also, obviously, her dad. I mean, this is kind of what we went back to when we first met her, that clearly all of this is being, you know, fed into her from a dad. Um, and just, you know, what did she say? Like, oh, you, you saw how he is, you know, how he can be. And like, we get some great stuff with her dad in this episode. I mean, I, again, we kind of touch on him, you know, he's a great actor, Brian Kerwin, but uh, we'll get a bit of him after. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, Matt's going to have to steal some, uh, bleach cream apparently. And then just the way she kind of like manipulates him, like, you know, oh, it's, you know, this was like 80, hundred years ago. Like, it's not going to matter. It's like, oh, 17 years ago, uh, you know, this happened and now found out. And how did your dad react? So, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, Matt, like we just point out Matt's very easily manipulated. Like he's, you know, we love Matt, hashtag poor Matt, but I mean, this guy, like, you could get him to do pretty much anything. I'm sure he's probably joined ISIS by now in the real world post Nip Tuck. I don't know. Um, he's just, <laughs> he seems to be so like easily manipulated doing what other people want him to do. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's that real character. And I, I keep going back to it as the, you know, even though Sean's not his biological father, he's kind of learnt that from Sean. And I think maybe that they do that deliberately. Mm. Um, because they want it, that you know, they kind of want to play up that element of it, you know, that even though he's not a biological son of Sean's, that they do want to make sure you really do see that connection between the two of them. So I kind of understand it, but yeah, it is grating on me now the whole aerial thing. And um, I, yeah, I, I, you're right about the father thing, but I just don't think we see enough of him, and that's part of the problem for me. That you know, if he's going to be this big bad, you kind of need to see more of him. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um. I do like kind of how he sort of, the way he'll be in this episode, then he's kind of only got a brief moment next episode, then kind of obviously it comes into it a lot in the last episode. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see your point, because we kind of haven't seen him, have we, really, in what, like at least two weeks, at least, is it two, three weeks, maybe? Um, so, since the dinner scene, of course. So, yeah, I mean, I guess there's that. So, that, that's a good point. Um, we get old Santa here, he's angry uh, at Joy, because, you know, I guess kind of we're assuming, like, oh, well, clearly, you know, he, they obviously didn't realise they could have a baby and it just happened, but, uh-oh, no, plot twist. Clearly, Santa's uh, shooting blanks. That's why they had to get into the um the Christmas thing to hang around with the kids. So, uh, dear old Joy's slept with uh, her 18-year-old assistant uh, 17 years ago, coincidentally enough. Seems to be a bit of a thing when it comes to people sleeping with a long time. Um, yeah, 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 that's quite funny. Yeah, and then obviously, you know, we get a whole bit here where she was lonely and, you know, he was just so into the the kids. And it's, it's again, kind of like one of these things where we find out the truth. And I always find it interesting when we do get these reveals about these truths and it's like, you know, we, we know she's done the wrong thing, but they, there is always that element I feel to whenever you hear the truth that you do loosely feel sorry for them in some weird way. Um, you know, not necessarily when it comes to some of these things moving forward, but, um, yeah, but, uh, obviously poor old Santa's not happy. We'll never get over this joy. Um, and Santa's going solo, <laughs> which is kind of like, I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah, I just don't like this whole Kringle thing. It's just, I mean, I like the, I like the idea of this storyline that it's just such a unique, real thing that we know, you and I said, like, it's, it's something that's happened in your life, but, and I get them tying it in with the whole Christmas theme, but I don't know. I just wish they had done this without kind of going the Santa route. I don't know. It's, I'm nothing against Santa. I just, this is just half my issue with this episode. It just kind of gives me the shits that they go for these, like, Santa and Mrs. Claus and, oh, look what's happened and tie it in with kind of, I don't know. Just me. Am I nitpicking? <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't mind it. I, to me, it kind of just plays out as, as exactly how you would expect. And I, I, I don't think there's a lot of kind of tension, which, you know, makes it kind of hard to, you know, to really get behind it. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I, I kind of, you know, yeah, you do kind of feel sorry for her. Um, and, and, you know, the thing I find weirdest about this whole scene is that the two doctors are kind of like flanking her on either side of the bed. And that, that feels, that, I think that's what makes it feel the most unnatural is that if this was a conversation just happening between the two of them, then you might be, you know, you, you could kind of see the reasons that, um, you know, you, you could maybe get a little bit behind it. But because these two are there, it just feels all a bit kind of disjointed, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, 
Matt's at Delamere, because remember, Delamere's still a thing, people. Uh, just just remember, uh, yeah. again, Delamere's a thing, people. Um, it's not going to be for much longer. Um, but uh, he's there getting some uh, free gifts to take to Ariel's mum. Um, you know, and this is just his nice little line of, oh, you're more than just a mother. You're a big shot career woman now. Um, which... <laughs> She won't be anytime soon. And this is kind of the thing, like, you know, oh, Julie's having all these thoughts of like, oh, is this the right thing to do? And, ooh, like, haven't we already seen this before in season one? Um, but then, like, we get sort of, you know, her just little subtle referencing of, oh, don't take this, Matt. This is medical grade skin bleach. You don't want this. Uh, but then it's just like, can I say Jolly Richardson's acting there is terrible? Like, she's just so bad. This is kind of going back to a couple of episodes ago when we were just pointing out some of her lines. Like, I'm not saying Jolly Richardson's a bad actor. I mean, she's a good actor. actor. But, like, sometimes she just has some bad delivery of lines. This is one of them. Um, and then uh, we get the phone call and, oh, it's, it's teenage Sean, nervous to call his crush. <laughs> like, rings up, oh, no, I can't talk, hang up. And then allows Matt to steal the bleach <laughs> and put it back in. And then Julia rings, did you just ring me? Oh, I was chicken. Oh, I want to be alone later. I have an appointment. Oh, do you want me to come with you? Like, ugh, I just, ugh, just makes me cringe. Like, I know what they're trying to go for here. But again, it's like, we don't need this. Like, God. You know, I mean, we kind of know really at this point, I think, that unless Kevin's back in the picture that Sean's the dad... Um, eh, I mean, Sean doesn't know, I guess, at this point. He hasn't really been told yet by Christian, has he? But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I just don't like it. It just gives me the shits. But, um, I guess I'll kind of quickly lump in here, just, um, back at Ariel's, uh, you know, Matt brings a present, uh, it's a box, and, oh, here it is, here's the cream, but no, it's a card for a, um, uh, what is it, a, a therapist, some sort of, uh, a, what do you call her? I'm trying to blank here, like a, um... A, a, a self-issue therapist person. Um, so, um, yeah, and apparently he's back on the phone to his grandma. Um, you know, cause remember, she didn't die in the plane crash. Ugh. There's our one reference this episode to remember that, uh, you know, she's still alive. Um, but then uh, they have a fight, um, and he's still got the cream. Like, stupid Matt. Like, why do you still bring the cream with you? Like, you'd still be with her probably still if you didn't bring the cream with you in the first place, silly Matt. Um, but so he, she grabs the cream out anyway, rubs it on her face, have a fight. He walks out. She calls him an asshole. Uh, and then all of a sudden starts burning her skin. Help me, help me out, help me out, help me out. And then we kind of go to a commercial, sort of. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't mind this scene. It's okay. But, um, yeah, the stuff before it gives me the shits. You know, teenage Sean. Ugh. Um, yeah, I think probably one of the things I think is what kind of spa has medical grade bleach just like on the shelf anyway? <laughs> yes. If it's medical grade, yeah. surely you need like a prescription for it, right? Yeah, yeah. So I find that quite weird. Um, but yeah, I think this this whole thing is, and, and I mean, um, I, I don't know if we're kind of lumping in the scene with um, Christian, you know, Christian and Matt here too, but I think that's a really cool scene where, you know, he basically said, I'm going to, I'm going to bill you for my time, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I really like that. Um, one of the things that I think we've not ever really pointed out in this whole thing is, is Ariel's name, you know, like Ariel, Arian, you know, like, is there a whole thing there too? Like, it just feels like quite on the nose. Um, this is just the whole thing to me is like, you know, who would actually like go and put like bleach just on their face to make them look whiter apart from maybe Michael Jackson? Like, it just doesn't feel like something that you, that, I don't know. I mean, I, I assume this probably happens in certain situations, but it just doesn't feel kind of real to me. I don't know. I guess we are in a show where literally this season we had somebody get body parts to form uh, his dead sister <laughs> to have sex with them. So uh, probably a bit more realistic on this level. But, um, yeah, I see your point. I'm sure there are, you know, no offence to people who have this condition where they want to be whiter. Um, but, you know... Sure, it's a, there's some weird mental conditions out there, so I wouldn't put it past it that this is a thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, l- yeah. lump in, lump in, yeah. I mean, that's sort of the whole bit where she's got first-degree burns, uh, yeah, building you for your time. I kind of like, um, you know, the way sort of uh, Christian's like, you know, pretending that this, you know, father-son relationship is a thing, and um, obviously um, in comes, uh, yeah, Eugene, 
that's his name, if you didn't know Errol's dad, and kind of we just have this great scene sort of, you know, lying and all this sort of stuff, and just uh, basically that's the end of Matt and Errol, essentially. Um, and it's Christian standing up to him, if you want a problem, you know, you leave now. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's as long as your son stays away from my daughter, there will be no problem. So, yeah, I mean, lump all that into it, too. Talk about that. I mean, that, that's a great scene. Brilliantly acted. Brian Kerwin, Julian McMahon, they work well off each other, kind of going off at each other. Yeah, I think I think it works really well. And it, it, it's kind of that nice moment where, you know, you're starting to bring Matt back in with, with Christian, which is cool. You know, like, I think as, as much as I enjoy the tension between them, and, and, you know, I think this has definitely been um, John Hensley's best season in terms of his, his scenes and most of those ones where he's playing off against Sean and Christian. But, you know, I think that it's nice to see the two of them kind of aligning and getting back on the same page. I, I think that's really good. Um, and... Yeah, I think I think there's just yeah some good dynamics going on um, with all these characters here, and this whole thing of kind of you know Matt basically gets thrown under the bus by her, and um, and that's the end of it. You know, I think that that's um, it's kind of a good way to end, or well, kind of end the story. Obviously, we're going to get a little bit more in the next couple of episodes, but generally speaking, we this is the, this is the breakup scene, isn't it? Pretty much. I mean, you know, yeah, we'll get a couple more scenes of them moving forward, and obviously the big sort of plot twist thing at the end, but. Um, yeah, this is... I mean, they're not, they're not having sex anymore, let's be honest. So, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but... Um, so, uh, <laughs> I even hate about this episode. Here's Santa with Cersei. Uh, <laughs> like, random elf. He wants to get double Ds. Um, I, I, do, I do like Sean. He's like, wow, you work quickly. And just the way, like, the look on Cersei's face. Where she's just like, hmm... Um, it's, uh, it's just so cringy. Like, uh, I don't know. I know what they're going for. This is the way they generally do these sort of things. Um, but you know, I mean, was it earlier this season when we had, um, oh, I've even gone blank in the name. The, uh, the old lady who the old Simon's a husband and already moved on to Trudy, stupid Trudy. Um, you know, like that's a sweet way of doing it. This is just stupid. Uh, Santa with his like <laughs> helper. I mean, come on, stupid. And why would she be into him? Like, <laughs> Old man Santa fetish? I don't know. She's just using him to get bigger tits, let's be honest. Um, yeah. You know. It's, not, it's probably not because he's loaded. I mean, I can't imagine <laughs> that being Santa, like, pays big money. You work, like, yeah. two months a year. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, unless it's, like, you know, the best Santa ever. I mean, what else does he do for the other ten months? Like, who knows? I just watched The Santa Claus with Tim Allen in it. I mean, at least, you know, that explains a little bit of what he's up to for the rest of the year. But he's actually freaking Santa. This is a guy who plays him in the damn mole. Um, well, as much as I may dislike this episode, I love this scene. Uh, this next one with Christian and Matt. And, like, look, I doubt this will make our top five. This is maybe a top 15, top 20 scene for the season. Um, but I, I don't know. There's just something really endearing about this because it's been a while, I feel, since we've had Christian sort of Matt. And can I just point out, I really think that kind of that whole situation that we just had there with Matt and Ariel, not only I, I feel is that Matt and Ariel breaking up, I kind of think we get Matt to a bit of normality here in terms of he's not like Nazi looking Matt wanting to bash his dad Matt anymore. Like, I feel that kind of Matt's back to a bit of, you know, there's a bit of normal there, if you know what I mean, in terms of his relationship with his family. Uh, obviously, you know, it won't last long uh, in season four. But, um, you know, I just, I, I don't know if you kind of sort of read into that too. But I, I, this scene's great. Like, slips a note under the door. It's, it's sort of like 30 hours slave labor. He's going to do it. Then we kind of, you know, get a nice little scene here of, of Matt and Christian watching football on Christmas Eve. And just kind of like, what does he like Matt say? Like, oh, you know, two single men watching uh, football and eating Chinese. Uh, that's that's America. Uh, um and then just kind of just this nice little scene where they have a little back and forth of like, you know, oh, do you ever wish that you didn't know about me? And it's kind of like, yeah. It's like, I'm adjusting. Oh, I'm adjusting too. Like, oh, it's just, it's just a, like, it's such a crap episode in my opinion. It's just such a nice scene. This, you know, reminds me, uh, you know, a lot of, um, uh, I've gone blank on it, on Agatha Rip. How kind of was such, to me, it was a terrible episode, but you had such an iconic scene. And while this maybe isn't as an iconic scene as we obviously had in Agatha Rip, um, yeah, I just love this scene. I think this is just such a great moment between these two. Yeah, I think it's a surprisingly good scene. You know, like you, you, I'd kind of forgotten about it, and there's even just some of like, you know, you talked a little bit about about Jolie um, Richardson and some of the line delivery that she has is, is a bit off, and you know, um, 
Julian McNamara is uh, sorry, Julian McMahon is, is um, actually the opposite. You know, just sometimes he, just the way he delivers a line or the facial expression is just, like just so fitting for the scene. And I, just the, the one line I really like here, and I don't really know why, but kind of like just as Matt's kind of like Merry Christmas and walks off, and he's like, "Are you hungry? I've got a ton of food." And just like kind of just the way he says it, it's yeah. just like it, it's really fatherly. It's really like just sweet. And yeah, no, I just it is really nice. I, I just. I I do really like the whole way it's played out, and um, yeah, I mean it, it's definitely a contender, I think, because um, it, it is just a sweet scene, and you know, like the, the scenes I like the most on the show are these kind of these one-on-one dialogue scenes. You know, they always seem to kind of just pull something out that you weren't expecting, and they are the real heart of the show. Is scenes like this, so um, it's nice to find one here where you you may not have been looking for it, and um, yeah, it, it, it's really nice, and it, it's nicer than what we're about to get, which. I think is supposed oh. to be the centerpiece, um, which look I'm going to say before you start talking about it, but it's not bad, it's not terrible, isn't it? But it's also <laughs> no, it's, no. I mean, I, I I'll defend this because I don't think it is terrible. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's not what they wanted it to be though. I think they wanted it to be this like amazingly touching moment, and I, I don't think it is that unfortunately. But um, it, it's not awful, uh, and um, you know, I, I think it's well played. Um, it, it just takes a couple of episodes to get the full resolution, which is the problem. Is that you, you don't, you still don't leave this episode knowing exactly what we're going to get next, and and that's a problem. Um, but yeah, I think it is. It does feel suitably awkward and horrible, and you know this awful moment that neither of them wants to be involved in. Um, and you know, kind of like the resolution is that you know that she can't go through with it. I, I, you know, I do really enjoy that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it isn't what they hoped it would be. I think. Yeah, Nick, I completely disagree. This scene is absolutely terrible. <laughs> I just, like, I really hate this scene because at the end of the day, it's kind of meant to be like a romantic, endearing moment in an abortion clinic. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's on Christmas, like, yeah, like the tinsel on the, you know, uh, the Christmas decorations in an abortion clinic. I mean, I assume they have them, but you just, they're not things you think about, but, really. And look, again, like, I, I don't know how this works in Florida. I didn't spend enough time there to go to an abortion clinic. But, like, are they open at, like, 8 o'clock on a Christmas Eve? Like, I mean, and just even kind of, like, the subtle little moment when they're sort of at the desk with the clerk and he's just kind of, like, filling in the form and he's just kind of just like, oh, the rain started yet? Oh, no, but it's due soon. Like, tra-la-la-la-la, let's have a nice casual convo. My wife's about to kill a baby. Uh, Like, I don't know. It's just something so, like uncomfortable about this scene and it's like like you're right like Nick Tuck deals with this sort of stuff all the time in terms of controversial issues and all this sort of stuff but there's just something about this whole thing that this is all happening in an abortion clinic that kind of is like sitting there and it's all like will she like you know they meet each other at the door and it's like I can't do it oh I can't do it either the baby's yours oh it is um and then they just leave hold hands in the rain and it's kind of all you know done in coinciding with the the water, washing the paint off the babies, and, oh, you know, oh, great, you know, they're back to being black, fantastic. And I don't know, like, and kind of like, you're right, like, you're absolutely right about how we don't really get sort of a a whole resolution about what this means for Sean and and Julia and that, but to me it's implied from this minute that they're back together, as in like, oh, here we go, off they go. Like, I know they don't kiss... And it's kind of left open. And then, trust me, when we get to the next two episodes around Julia, there's stuff that shits me about how bipolar she is about this from one minute to the next. And it doesn't exactly change next season either. Um, but, yeah, I just... I hate this scene. I really do. Like, I mean, I know kind of like I went off with every little moment last week with Sal Perry. Uh, and this is why this episode is better than Sal Perry because, you know, in Sal Perry, there's basically like nothing redeeming at all. Whereas, like, this just just leaves such a sour taste in my mouth. And this is like when I think I always come to this episode that I'm just not big on it. I kind of get through it. I'm like, oh, it's not as bad as I remember. But then it's just this scene just like makes me go, oh, yep, okay. Don't like this episode. So, um, yeah. One thing I will appreciate, Nick, can I just say with you, is in doing these episodes, is that I find you and I have like the biggest discrepancy in our opinions when it comes to talking about things, which is great. Like, I'm not taking away from, you know, Brandy and Darvell on Third Watch and, and Noah and Lost. But I feel like Darvell, Brandy, and myself agree a lot on Third Watch. So, like, we're all agreeing with things, and it's very rare that we'll disagree majorly. Noah and I, you have your moments, but for the most part, we're kind of on the same level. You and I feel on Iptuck just really have big discrepancies, which I like. I think it's important to have on some shows. I, just, I felt like I wanted to point that out at one point in these episodes. 
Well, and I think, I, I mean, I, I I see where you're coming from as well. It's certainly not that um, I think this is an amazing scene. Um, but I, I, I think I can probably see the intent. Um, and and that's kind of important. Sometimes sometimes the, the payoff just doesn't quite happen how you're expecting it, but you can see the intent behind it, and um, that's what I guess I'm seeing. Um, but yeah, I think I think it is good. I think you and I kind of like slightly different things, and, and that's good. But um, I think we can also spot absolute shit at the same time. So so that's always handy as well. So yeah, yeah. I, I think for me, this probably would have worked. This this would have worked a lot better if those two final scenes were were um, swapped around. Because I think that you know finishing on the finishing on the mat thing, I think was would have been a, a lot of a lot more of a satisfying end. But obviously, it's not the big kicker that that the show is going for. Um, I guess it's for me. Like if, if you know, we talked about it basically from the first episode. I think is are you a Sean man or a Christian man? And you know, I, I think at this point I'm a Christian man. Although I, I do like what Sean brings to the show. I think the 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 episodes and, and the interaction with Christian is what makes the show so good. Um, and you know, if they had if they had gone through with killing Christian off at the start of this ep- this season, I'm not sure I would have followed through and kept watching the show. So um, the Sean and Julia stuff is just it, it it only gets me so excited. So I can definitely see where you're going with it. That's for sure. I definitely feel when we do our recap of this season that we're going to find that this is maybe the weakest Sean season so far. Um, and because I mean, really, you and I seem to have a lot more moments this season where we've been frustrated at Sean. And it's not that we're disliking the guy. I think we're disliking Julia a lot more <laughs> kind of moving forward. But um, I think season four is a lot more of a stronger season for Sean. Um, and, I mean, I'm not saying Christian doesn't have a strong season next season as well. But, um, you know, and, and one thing, it's kind of like a random little thing that, uh, you know, maybe, again, we can talk a little bit more about this when it comes to our, our sort of our recap episode. But um, we don't get any Escobar this season. Uh, from memory, even like in a sort of a random flashback, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head, is this the only season we get no form of Escobar? And maybe that this is what it comes down to with Sean. Like, he needs some sort of, you know, element of the devil on his shoulder with Escobar. So, um, I don't know. That's just a random little thing I just thought of. And it's probably a stupid thing to point out. But, yeah, no, Escobar season three. And he's definitely in next season. Can't remember if he's in five and six. He might be. But um, there's just a random. Yeah, not a, not a very strong Sean season. Yeah, I think that's for sure, and I think I think these these seasons and episodes are best when it's pretty even. I think when it goes one way or the other, you know, I'd rather if it's going to go one way or the other, I'd rather spend that time with with Christian. Um, and so when the big storylines are, are really Sean heavy, um, I'm probably not going to be too much into them. That's that's probably where I come down on it. But yeah, uh, going back to the specific um, scene, I, I can see where it's at. Um, I, I like the intent. The delivery is not not wholly there, but I probably don't hate it as much as you do. Mm. Uh, just to correct myself, he's not in season five. He's in season six. Uh, big roles next season. Spoiler alert. Escobar's in about five episodes next season. So uh, there's a bit of a spoiler for you, um, but we'll get to that. Good stuff with him going through too. Anyway, we're not at season four yet. We're still at season three and we're at the end of this episode. Nothing to add on the uh, cheesiness of the paint coming off the uh, nativity scene. I mean, that was a terrible paint. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. yeah it should have used bleach. <laughs> just, you should have just used the bleach, exactly. Um, all right, let's get into the review section. Uh, what are we doing with this, Nick? Are we buying it, renting it, bidding it? Well, I mean, I think for me, it's an easy rent. It's um, it's definitely not terrible, and you know, I think we've come through the worst of the season now. Um, and I think there is some important stuff. I think this is one you probably you probably want to watch at least once if you're doing a quick skim over all of these episodes, because it kind of, as we've said, it kind of starts setting up where we're going next. And it's actually interesting to start thinking about what this show is going to look like post-Carver because we've spent so much time focused on that story. And this is kind of like the first shoots of it. So I think it is really important to see it. It's nice to see kind of, you know, Matt and not being a complete jerk again. So yeah, I'm enjoying that. So there's enough in here to make it a rent for me. Um, but it's, it's definitely not a buy. It's interesting because like, I agree with like what you're saying about terms of like post-Carver stuff. Because, I mean, as I said at the beginning of the episode, this is a very important episode what we're going to get season four. Um, because, uh, I guess, spoiler alert in some aspects, not really spoiler because we kind of got in this episode, uh, a lot of it is around Julia's pregnancy. So, um, and kind of what results from that, generally a baby. So, um, you know, that's kind of what season four is. Um, but there's a lot more to season four as well. And again, we'll talk about that with the preview when it comes into this. But, um, yeah, look, um, I'm going to have to bin this. I just can't, 
I mean, I'm not, not buying it. Um, and I just don't even think there's enough for a rent. Like, I mean, you know, like, yeah, the great Matt scene and that, but like, kind of, as I said, you know, that, I mean, that wasn't enough for me to save Agatha Rip and that one sort of scene in Agatha Rip to me was a hundred times better. Um, than that. And look, I might even say I'd probably rather watch Agatha Rip than this episode. And, you know, I kind of talked that one down a lot. That was my first bin. So yeah, to me, as of right now, sort of, you know, this is my, what, uh, fifth bin of the season. Um, you know, nearly half the season I've binned. Um, so I've jumped ahead of you in terms of, um, how many bins this season. But yeah, I just, there's not enough in this to even make me want to rent this episode. As I said, I kind of just never look forward to watching this episode. I mean, I'm not going to skip it like last episode. Uh, this is a better episode than Sal Perry, but, um, no, can't do it. Sorry. Sorry, Joy Kringle. Um, but we're moving now into our last two episodes of the season. And look, I, I'm, I'll just say right now, I'm not binning any of the last two episodes. Probably not. I'm probably more than likely going to buy the last, because I love the last two episodes, particularly the final one. I'm giving spoilers. Not really. It's my opinion. You don't give a shit about my opinion, people. But yeah, Cherry Peck is next. And we're really hitting the home stretch now in terms of the Carver stuff. And I'm sure like you've touched on it. I've touched on it. We'll get to this in the season three recap about, you know, you could have really chunked out a bunch of these episodes and cause it kind of feels as much as this is the Carver season, there has sort of been up and down moments with even remembering that he's a thing. Um, but yeah, we're going to get some interesting stuff with the Carver, some big twists around kind of, you know, uh, everything that's going down. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great episode and it's a great lead up into our, you know, great finale. And, um, yeah, I, I definitely feel that, uh, it's, it's, it's certainly a, a really good final two episodes that we're going to be covering, uh, sort of in the, in the lead up to, you know, the closing out season three. Well, I think it's important to remember too, that, um, you know, we're doing this, you know, a, a decade after these episodes were shown, but these last two episodes were actually a double feature. Yeah, um, so, that, you know, part, we're actually... Yeah. Yeah, so we're actually we're actually starting the finale with the next episode, really. Um, so so it's important that we kind of think about that. That you know, I, I like to think about where we were at when this was being film, uh, being shown for the very first time, and you know, the, people switched on this next episode, Cherry Peck, knowing that by the end of the night they were going to know who the Carver was, and so it, it's nice to kind of think about that in the big scheme of things as we as we go through it. I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So. Uh, look forward to that. In the meantime, you got any questions, comments, anything you want to add to us, uh, you can, of course, Facebook, Twitter, we're there, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, when it also comes to subscribing, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, the general channels, uh, email the Oz Network at hotmail.com, and of course, the Oz Network.net. For all the episodes, uh, outside of Nick Tucker, of course, Third Watch, Lost, Survivor, all our movie coverage as well, uh, they're all going on strong there. But uh, we look forward to Cherry Peck, and we look forward to uh, coming through with that one for you as well. Uh, my name is Ben, and was the problem she didn't have a dick? That was a terrible closing. Just go to Nick. And I'm Nick, and I just stole the baby Jesus because you asked me to. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. <laughs>